This is the Sports Betting Preview Show, a pregame.com podcast, straight and live from the Las Vegas Strip for Thursday, December 11th. What makes the pregame.com podcast different is we don't talk just about sports. We talk about sports betting. And the key is info worth betting. And what we're going to try to do each and every week, and what's been happening each and every week, is we're going to tell you about the upcoming games, and we're going to teach you how to cap games for the rest of your life. Let's get straight into the action. First question we're going to be talking about with our panel is, with three weeks left in the NFL playoffs, by the way, this is RJ Bell, your new host, is with three weeks left within the NFL season, which teams are in the most trouble And really the question is, which teams are going to be the most motivated to perform their very best? So, Vegas Runner, you want to start off? Well, when we said we were going to discuss this, I broke it down first between the AFC and the NFC. Um, When I looked at the AFC, first off, you start off in the East, and it's three teams that are all jockeying for position there. The Jets, Miami, and New England with the Jets being ahead because they're 3-1 versus the division, but the other teams are 3-2, so they've played an extra game. But what really sticks out to me when I looked at that division is neither of them teams are going to make any noise in the playoffs. I could guarantee you that right now. You're looking at the teams with the 28th, 29th, and 30th easiest schedule in the NFL. So for them all to be at 8-5, and five, instead of me thinking that one of them's having a great season, I actually think it's, a, it's an average season at best. Uh, moving on to the north, that's the battle. Pittsburgh and Baltimore, we'll be talking about that a little later um, as our game of the week. Uh, move over to the south. You have Tennessee and the Colts. Colts, I'm going to tell you what, that team has caught fire at the right time. Um, they're now 9-4. and four. And let me tell you something about the Colts that I uncovered. They have the fifth toughest schedule in all of the NFL, that team. I mean, and you could tell at the beginning of the year, it showed from the preseason that they were going to have trouble early on. But when this team gets it going, forget it. And right now they're 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 playing great ball. Tennessee, we know they're going to be in. They're twelve and one, undefeated versus the, the division. Let me jump in, Vegas Turner. And so I, I think what I'd rather do is, as you're talking about some of the teams, if there's any questions or anything we want to talk about, let's do it as we pass through the teams, as opposed to doubling all the way back. So to me, with the Jets, I find particularly interesting is the pressure. It's funny, as you read the news wires and such, that it, it, the, the two-game losing streak, when they were winning, all the Jets fans were like, well, this when's the other shoe going to drop? Now, two straight losses. you got Favre saying, I guarantee the playoffs, or, or saying he thinks they're going to make the playoffs with a lot of confidence. What do you see the effect of the pressure on the, with, from the New York fans with the Jets? Uh, truth of the matter is, they haven't shown me anything in the past that will convince me that they'll be able to get it done when the pressure's on them. Um, I would have more confidence to tell you the truth than a team like New England, who's shown me they have the ability to get it done. Belichick's shown the ability to, to get it done um, in that division since they're sitting it tied. I, I really think the Jets, I mean, they, they are having a season that most didn't expect. They are top in the division, but I don't think they're going to be able to handle that pressure in New York. I'm not even sure Favre's going to be able to handle that pressure um, of New York. That is a big change. That is a big change. Now, one comment I'd make on the Steelers is the week after this matchup, they have Tennessee, which is a very difficult game. So, in a way, if Pittsburgh can win this game against Baltimore, chances are almost for sure they have the division. But if they lose... 
with a tie, now, you know, the tiebreaker is going to go first to head-to-head, which would be one-to-one at that point. Then I think the next tiebreaker is the AFC record. So the reality is Pittsburgh's got their back against the wall because Tennessee's going to be a tough game. Marco, what's your thoughts on that? Well, the Pittsburgh-Baltimore game is even more important because right now you're looking at that matchup and the winner of that game is basically going to have the inside track to the number two seed in the AFC. The loser in that game can go all the way to the bottom seed, and this is why. Indianapolis is sitting at 9-4. and four. It's going to have a win this week and be sitting at 10-4. and four. They're going to be the— they're going who, to have, who does Tennessee play? Tennessee, not Tennessee. Oh, excuse me, Indianapolis? Indianapolis. They got week. Detroit they this They got week. Detroit. They're 17 points. Agreed. The biggest, Agreed. Favorite, biggest favorite this year has been is this game. But they have the inside track to the number one seed as far as the wild card goes. That's going to drop the loser of the Pittsburgh-Baltimore game all the way down because Indianapolis has played both Pittsburgh and Baltimore and beat both of them. So they're sitting back saying, let you two guys go ahead and battle and kill each other. Whoever loses, we've got the tiebreaker against you. And, you know, that's a shame that the Steelers could go from this week, you know, possibly the number two seed to end up being – you know, on the road in the playoffs. Especially when you look at the last couple of weeks, every week has been a big game. I mean, they played New England. They played. You well, know. the the stats say that Pittsburgh has the most difficult schedule in the last twenty five years coming into the season. Yeah, coming in, that's exactly what they were saying. That's what they were even you know prognosticators saying they might not make the playoffs because of how difficult the schedule is. And jumping back to the East, one team that you guys didn't mention in the East, I mean, they're tied, but it's like everybody's forgetting about Miami. Miami's sitting there, and you guys talk about pressure and Favre in New York, and the Patriots have the experience. I'm going to use a poker phrase that we use. The Dolphins and Chad Pennington, he's free rolling. Nobody gave the Dolphins a chance to even be in this position. He got driven out of New York for the fanfare of bringing Favre in, and he's sitting here. He can't do any wrong. Nobody expected them to be where they're at, so he's playing with with no pressure, in my opinion. No, that's who I would bet to win the AFC East right now. Honestly, I would say Miami is going to be the team that comes out of there. And I think that makes the key point before we go to Maddie here, which is this isn't about a conversation in a bar. Who do you think is going to win the division? The question is, who should we be betting? because of motivation, and who should we be fading because of motivation? So what I'm taking away here so far, Miami might be a lean to go-to. Yes. And otherwise, and then we're going to jump to Maddie. do we have another go-to at this point, or do we have any go-against so far? And we're not even talking about necessarily this week's games, though that's the next game, is I look at Miami as a go-to because of what Marco's saying. Any other thoughts? I look at a team like San Diego as a go-against now. I think they, they're they're right at that mark where I think deep inside they're they want to the, lose. They're going they, the way of the Jaguars, I think. They want it to be over with because every week from flying to England to coming back, every week someone's telling them it's a must-win, it's a must-win, it's a must-win. I think they're at that point where they, they know deep inside if we lose – we could start planning golf trips. It's over. We're out of the race. People stop talking about it. The pressure's off. We could move to next year. So this, to me, would be parallel to the college football strategy, which is very common, which is that you go against a team after they lost the game, which makes it where they can't achieve their season goal. So some teams, their season goal might be the national championship. Right. So if they lose that game, the next week, these kids are not going to be motivated. It might be 
a 500 record is the season goal. So if you can define what the season goal is, you know to go against the week after. So what you're saying, I think, Vegas Runner, is that San Diego's goal was at least the playoffs, if not more. Now that they're out of that, how can they really be motivated? I think that's a very good point. Now let's go uh, straight to Maddie. He's uh, been sitting back patiently with his (laughs) wisdom. Maddie, what's your thoughts? Well, I think the motivational aspect is is very key. We talked a little bit before that we started the podcast tonight about – you know, how you can kind of read into quotations from different players to kind of gauge how they feel about their team. And I think what Vegas Runner said about the Chargers is a very legitimate point. Damian Tomlinson has been calling them out since the, like, the second week of the season because they're not running the ball enough. You know, I, I think North Turner is gone. There's no, there's no doubt in my mind that he's not going to be coaching the team. And they're one of those teams that is going the way of the Jacksonville Jaguars, I believe. And they're, you know... They were given up on the season, and I, I think one team in the NFC you have to pay attention to that could be following shortly is the Dallas Cowboys, because the Cowboys, you know, I thought last week was a must-win game. I actually looked at their record uh, after, you know, on, on Monday, and I couldn't believe they were still 8-5, and five, just the way their season went. To, for them to be in really good position still in the NFC to make the playoffs, it, you know, it makes you wonder. But then again, RJ, what you said about a team's goals, and this is a team... Their, their, their uh, goal is not just to make the playoffs. They, they were the favorite in the NFC to go to the Super Bowl. They're not even going to win the division. They might not even make the playoffs. If they lose to the Giants this week, it's all you, you've got the winner of the Bears and the uh, Saints on Thursday night that, that are going to be in position to kind of be up there in the wild card. I mean, this the Cowboys can kind of afford to lose this game, but you lose two big games against you know teams that you are supposed to get up for. I mean, you're not playing like pansies the rest of the season either. They got to play divisional games, and they they might be worth fading down the stretch as well. Now, that's one of my favorite spots is the Dallas spot here, and and quickly I'll pass it on to the audience. Is when you have a team that shows poor performance, but because of the public's mindset, they can't believe that this isn't a good team. And you'll see that sometimes teams that are. Four and five. San Diego is a perfect example up until a week or two ago. No one can believe this isn't a great team. And when you look at the lines each week, you're like, if they were literally eight and three, the line would be what the it same. is. But they're, but, you know, but they're four and five or you know, not necessarily that because the math doesn't add up. But I think that's a key point. And I think, Maddie, you make a good point with Dallas there. Ironically, with Dallas, though, from last week, they went into last week and they lost, but they actually moved up in the playoff race last week. They were behind Atlanta going into last right. week. They both lost. They're both 8-5. Atl- but Atlanta lost to an NFC team, and Dallas lost to an AFC team, and the, tie- the first tiebreaker goes to conference. And see, I agree. I, I think it, that's what makes this week even more important because Atlanta's got a home a home game against Tampa Bay off a Monday night loss, and, and NFC South teams are 24-2 and two straight up at home now. So Atlanta <laughs> wins that game. Cowboys lose at home to the, the Giants. Giants. Flip, flip, then it flip-flops. flip-flops, but that's a good point. Right, because then you'll have Tampa Bay and uh, Atlanta at 9-5. And, and, and Dallas the, way behind them. The other point that you guys didn't make about Dallas is, one, right now Tony Romo's confidence after last week's game. I mean, now everybody that's been saying it or thinking it is now saying it out loud. The guy has not won a big game. So now the first bad throw he makes Sunday, you're going to hear them booing in Dallas. And what Jerry Jones did this week was just idiotic. 
And, and, and I think, let me jump in and then I want to segue right into that. I think that, you know, and, and I should have jumped in before, Marco's comment about the actual mathematics of the playoffs, I think is a very valid comment. But I think we're missing the point. It isn't, are the Cowboys going to make the playoffs? The question is, what's the psychological mindset of the Cowboys? Of the, of the team right and now. to me, with well, that loss in Pittsburgh, and then you go into Jerry Jones's comments about the running back, it's and is it, you know, it's a demoralizing reality. And, and you can't imagine his team is feeling loose or particularly motivated. Uh, I think they're scared, if anything. What I want to do real quick is let's take a moment for first-time listeners and announce our panel real quick. Uh, last one that got to speak, we'll announce first, is Matty O'Shea. He's a handicapper at pregame. He's one of those guys that spends 30, 40 hours a week reading sports, watching sports. He's a sports fanatic. He's the kind of guy that knows the second-string centers. And uh, when it comes to handicapping, that can bring a lot of value to the table. Uh, we have Vegas Runner, who, as you could probably guess, is a professional batter. He's never. Have you ever had a job? <laughs> that wasn't no. I'm no, not, never I'm had like a, a job. job. The government no. doesn't even know you exist. Really. Yeah, no, I pay my taxes. <laughs> oh, that's true. Okay, that's a good point. That's a good point. As I know that. Professional batter, though. That's true. So, uh, and and he really brings that wise guy perspective. And there's not many batters who are professionals that's willing to take the time. And to be a handicapper takes a lot of work and energy and working with the community at pregame.com. Um, so it's really something special. And we're very lucky to have him. And then last up, we have Marco D'Angelo, who's been in this business almost 30 years. When's going to be the 30-year anniversary? Next year. Next year. That's going to be special. And we'll be hearing about that a lot. And it's, <laughs> it's, it's really something, uh, you know, experience matters. Oh. And, um, and Marco not only understands how to handicap himself, but he's worked with handicappers for most of those 30 years. He understands how to manage them. He's GM of picks at pregame.com. Okay, so and don't forget R.J. Bell, the president of pregame. <laughs> that's true. That's true, and uh, I'm really excited about getting more involved with the podcast. You know, really, it was a situation that I thought there was a lot of potential, but after listening every week, it just dawns on me this is a special way to communicate with our audience, and uh, we're going to be putting even more effort into podcasts. Not only the weekly podcast, but we're going to be having one-off podcasts talking about special subjects all the time. So let me open the floor here. When it comes to the motivation, is there anything that's been left unsaid at this point? I don't think so. I, I just want to follow up basically on what you said about the numbers aspect that, that Marco had touched on. And we got to remember, if, if Donovan McNabb didn't know about the overtime, you know, that there was, a, oh, you know, you can land in a tie, you got to remember or you got to think that a guy like Tony Romo is not going to know the, the statistical formula on how they get to the playoffs. He's only going to worry about you know how he's feeling after the game, that he threw a pick for six to end the game. He lost another big game. They're not worrying about that. It's, it's all about momentum and motivation, and they're not worried about all that other stuff. I think that's one thing about handicapping, that you can get a little too involved in the numbers like that, trying to figure out exactly the formula that people use. The players are not thinking that way. They're going out there. It's how they end the game, how they're going into their next game, how they're feeling. And that's why I can't believe that the Cowboys are going to be feeling great going into Sunday. I agree with that. Now, here's what I want to do is I want to talk for a minute about what's upcoming the rest of the podcast, and then we can talk about a subject uh, which I think is an offshoot of, of what we've been talking about, motivation. And again, this is the, the special part of this is it's about finding betting winners. 
And, and, and that's different than typical radio shows and typical podcasts. So in segment number two, what we're going to do is have our game of the week. And that's going to be the Pittsburgh-Baltimore game. And we're going to be talking about the national championship game because the Lions are already out with the Florida-Oklahoma game. Then in section three of the podcast, we're going to have the question of the week. And that's something that the forum members at pregame.com, so you can go to pregame.com and click forms in the left side, or you can go straight with pregameforms.com. And we have a audience question of the week. And, and this is one of the most popular segments, we'll be talking about everyone's selection of the week. And that's a, that's a real good opportunity to get a free pick from our experts. So moving in, let's talk about motivation, and I'm going to open the floor here, is how often do you use quotes in the press to gauge motivation? Because one thing I noticed this week was, and this happened just recently, is the Redskins look like they're mounting down. And one of the ways we can see that is the running back Portis came on and talked about Jim Zorn, the coach, and was very uh, negative about him and sarcastically called him a genius, and it was with a lot of sarcasm. That tells me you got trouble in the clubhouse or, or in the locker room in this case. What do you guys think about the use of quotes? You have to pay attention to them. I myself always do. Um, actually, I, I put it more, I use it more with my handicapping now than I did in the past. Um, Back in the day, you could use more numbers. You could use more information you gathered to handicap games because it was less available. Now with the internet, information's at your fingertips. So we all pretty much have access to whatever we want. I mean, any kind of stat you want on every single player, every single team is available at your fingertips. So believe me, the odds maker has that available to himself as well. And most of that has already been you know, influenced into the line. With quotes and motivation nowadays is where I've been able to, to find some edges, find a couple, you know, diamonds in the rough that you might have overlooked because the line was where it should be, but the motivational factor gave you an edge, you know, one team over the other. I think, I think you make a really good point, and it's one of my basic premises, actually, at the website. Um, even 10 years ago, the key as a sports better, and I've been betting personally since I was 14 years old, and I can remember making phone calls to free pick phones on pay phones so it wouldn't show up long distance with my parents. <laughs> so I understand that back in the day that it was about finding information. Now, there's so much information, it's about identifying what's important. And that's a key distinction. That's a gem, I think, uh, Vegas Runner came up with. Okay, uh, Maddie, what do you think about using quotes? I mean, I use it a lot. I mean, I think like anything else, you got to balance what you're using when you're making a pick. But like, I'll, I'll put it right in my analysis. If I think there's a strong quote that I think is going to be a, fa a deciding factor in that game, I'll definitely use it. I mean, I want to give some credit to Jeff Bonds, who's another one of our pregame pros at pregame.com. He created a forum post on the – on the forums, obviously, and talked about uh, San Diego's college basketball coach and, and how he's very down on this week's game to do some uh, due to some injuries and a continuing suspension. And I saw Vegas Runner reply to that. He he agrees a hundred percent on that. And that's just one of those things, especially in co like a college. I think if you could dig through some of the stuff you're listening on the radio, you have these guests that you know you can get a better feel for that. The NFL, the bigger leagues, you're gonna. There's a lot of bulletin board material out there, and you kind of got to weigh what's what's real and what's just you know. It, it might end up motivating their own team to you know to get it fired up around them. But uh, I think it's definitely important. 
Okay, and, and I agree. So before we move on to Marco, I want to make a couple comments. One is we're making some changes to the pregame wire. And as most of you know, the pregame wire is breaking news. You can get there going to pregame.com or going to pregamewire.com directly. One of the things we're trying to focus on is more quotes. But what I also want to do is throw a little challenge out to the forum. Is one, we'd love to hear a conversation about the way you use quotes. But number two is if you find them when you're reading the local papers, put them up because we all can benefit from them. And if we're all helping each other win, that's the key. So Marco, before I hand it over to you, I'd be interested not only theoretically, but um, what you think about quotes. But is there, and, and again, this will open up, and maybe Marco, you don't have this answer. Are there any teams this week that you've read quotes that you think are actionable? Um, not at this point. Generally, where you're going to get quotes from players. And again, the one thing I'm going to preface about quotes is you've got to consider the sources, what type of player it is. If it's a player like, um, you know, Owens for Dallas, or like when Joey Porter used to play for the Steelers. He constantly... He's still he, making he, idiotic comments. He used to drive <laughs> Bill Coward nuts because he, he would make comments that all it does is fire the other team up. And, you know, you got to look at those sources. But when you got a guy that generally doesn't open his mouth, it's, it's quiet, and he makes a statement publicly, you got to really put credence in those, those type and of statements because... For him to say something, you know, you know, it's big. You know, it used to be when guys would guarantee wins, you know, but now guys guarantee wins all the time. But when it's somebody that's quiet and, and that's never why opens I their LT mouth, earlier, right? LT is a soft-spoken guy. If he's saying, you know, hey, I, I need to get the ball, we need to focus on basics. These guys aren't playing hard. You know, I think we saw this in Cleveland a few weeks ago, and Jamal Lewis and. Uh, I, um, their kicker turner Cribs went off and said the guys aren't playing hard. And what happened? They lost the game, but then they came back and, and won a game at Buffalo. On a on a side note, though, with quotes, it's not actually a quote from a coach or a player, but something that I do like to use is that when the media in general, after one week, switches their opinion on a team, and everybody either jumps on a bandwagon a of point. a team or off the bandwagon of a team, or I love the phrase when they say, stick the fork in this team, they're done. That is a very big motivator for that team that's getting called out by a general national consensus of... Okay, so let me jump in because I'm getting a little confused. So I think that, first off, let me make a comment. I believe that... Um, and whenever I hear something I've never heard before, I take a note because it really is, you know, I've been around the business a long time and Marco just said something I've never heard before is it's one thing for a talker to be talking, but for a quiet player to be talking, it's more meaningful. I think that is a real golden nugget takeaway here. So thank you for that, Marco. Now, the idea of then saying, well, what's the public perception of the team and what's the press saying about it? That feels like another conversation. We're talking about the team motivation that can be revealed through quotes Quotes. versus what's the public perception that's coming through the press. So, so Marco... Am I understanding that we are talking about two things? They're two things, but they are both betting concepts. Oh, for sure, for sure. And and, and I think we should take a note on, on having a big conversation about that specifically. So, um, okay. So any, I think we're uh, moving to the end of segment number one. Any closing thoughts? No, the only thing I wanted to add is it doesn't necessarily have to be a quote. It have to be bulletin board material to be important. I mean, you could just listening to a, a player say something about practice or or a coach say something during his his interview with with a reporter 
just a, a sentence is enough to lead you in a direction, I believe. Like, it, it doesn't have to necessarily be bulletin board material. It could be something about how the defensive backs are playing or how they're having trouble rushing the passer or just... And, and I think that's a different issue, but a, a valid one. One is, can we gauge motivation? Number two is, can we read between the lines and learn something about the game plan or learn right. something about... Right, it doesn't just the... have to be, we guarantee a victory for it Absolutely. To, to pick something up from quotes. No, and I think that's what, kind of getting back to what Marco was saying, was that it does take some research. I mean, you spend hours handicapping reading articles, going to the local newspapers and all that stuff. But it's it, it tends to be that one little thing that you might read from, you know, that doesn't make ESPN. That's not like out there from that big name player that makes the difference. Okay, so agreed. I think great conversation. Now the one actionable opinion I think we'll take away from this conversation is that right now, based on the quotes, it looks like the Redskins might be having a lot of trouble and they might be a go against. And the Cowboys. And and moving back, good point, moving back to the conversation about a team psychology, the Cowboys may be a go against. So that's the two actionable uh, opinions I think that came from this first segment. We're going to be moving into the second segment where we're going to be talking about the game of the week. This is Matty O'Shea, Pregame.com's GM of Content, and I'm here to tell you about the Pregame Wire, which is your source for breaking sports betting news, giving you injury and lineup alerts each and every game day. If a key player is out, the Pregame Wire will tell you before you bet the game, giving you the edge you need to be a smart and informed better. For fantasy football players, the Pregame Wire is also a must-visit page to find out who is in and who is out of your lineup every week. Just go to pregame.com and click wire alerts on the left side to get the pregame wire alerts right now. We're back with segment two of the Sports Betting Preview Show, a pregame.com podcast. In segment two, we'll be talking about the game of the week, Pittsburgh Steelers and Baltimore, and then we'll be talking about the national championship game in college football, Oklahoma, Florida. There's a line out and an opportunity to make some money right away. Okay, so first up though, the big game, and we touched on it a little bit in segment one, Steelers at Baltimore. And when it comes to Pittsburgh sports, there's really one guy, and, and we don't use a lot of exaggeration here at pregame.com, one guy that I believe understands Pittsburgh sports the best. He lived there for how long, Marco? 46 years. 46 years, right outside of Pittsburgh. He understands the teams. He follows the teams. He reads the local papers. So let's go straight to Marco D'Angelo on this game. Well, this is without question the biggest game of the week and has so much implications for the playoffs the rivalry pittsburgh baltimore um you know everybody that grew up in pittsburgh i mean this is actually pittsburgh cleveland uh the browns moved to baltimore several years ago uh these two teams hate one another um they're battling for the division title pittsburgh has a one game lead right now and they won the monday night game uh, if you guys remember that Monday night game, Baltimore went into Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh just doesn't lose on Monday night at home. They have the best record going right now on Monday night football, and Baltimore for three and a half quarters had that game won. I remember I had a game of the year on the uh, Steelers. <laughs> so, so let me jump in, because I, I think there's one concept that we can maybe even narrow the focus of this conversation. To me, there's numerous ways that you can handicap a game, but typically most of those ways are a wash. The team A or team B, there's really no advantage. And the key is identifying the one or two ways that a team has an advantage. 
Can we agree, before Marco goes on, that motivationally, there's no advantage. Pittsburgh's hyper-motivated. Baltimore's hyper-motivated. There's going to be no advantage there. So we got to look somewhere else for an advantage. Can well, we I'd agree like with to, that? I'd like, yeah, I'd like to ask Marco a question, actually, because this is one of those games that he's talked to about before where the team, they played earlier, and uh, Pittsburgh was a, a decent favorite. They played him tough, didn't cover, and then you see Baltimore at home, a very, very small favorite. I mean, I... Being the, the, the guy who knows the Steelers, what's your take on the line? The take on the line, I thought the line when it came out at pick, when I first saw the line, I thought Baltimore would have been a favorite in the game. When I put my numbers up Sunday before they came out, I had Baltimore as a slight favorite. When I saw pick originally, I was uh, surprised. But the public has now bet the game the way they thought the game would go. They're betting Baltimore. And why shouldn't they? I mean, Baltimore has beyond everybody's expectations. Uh, Flacco has played better than anybody has done. But what I'd like to say is what people don't realize and look here, and this is the key to the game, Baltimore has become the Pittsburgh Steelers of five, six years ago. Baltimore is running the ball over 40 times a game. Um, this year, they've run the ball seven times. They've run for more than 40 <laughs> carries in a game. That's Pittsburgh football. They're running it more than Pittsburgh, and that's been the problem with the Steelers this year because they've had no running game. So so my question is this, is we all know statistically how great the Steeler D is. Observationally, it strikes me it's easier to throw on Pittsburgh than it is to run. I've yet to see a team run on Pittsburgh. What does that mean to the game? Well, myself, I when you look at Pittsburgh's defense, they're ranked number one in every category. Against the rush, against the pass, points allowed, yardage allowed. And if that ends up the season that way, they'll be the first team since the merger. I mean, so we're talking about like 1969 to do that. And and, and Baltimore's number two, two, three, and three in the same, <laughs> exactly. respectively. So, you know, they're as close as you're going to get when you match two teams up. Um, when they played last game, you know, that helped prove it again. They went into overtime, a team won by a field goal. So I really don't think you're going to find an edge in this game as far as trying to pick apart whose defense is better or whose offense is better. I think the way you need to go into this game, and I hardly ever agree, disagree with Marco, but um, on, on this note, I do disagree. I thought this line came out perfectly. I made So the what line, did you make? Tonight? I made the line pick them. I thought the total should be a lot much higher. Um, but I made the line pick them, and let me explain to you why. Um, Baltimore's only been favored against this team two times in the last 10 meetings, okay? So only 20% of the times have they ever been favored against Pittsburgh. But then them two times that they were favored, they beat Pittsburgh by a combined 44 points. So when they're favored, usually, you know, the odds maker knows going in, Baltimore's going to come in and, and win this game. Um, they, at least they, they, they've done that. Uh, when you look at it, too, the home teams won nine of the last 10 meetings, so I think more if you're going to handicap this game, you need to, to look more towards the history of this matchup and then try to figure out which team might have an edge leading into this game. So let's talk about the home field a minute. I read recently on a blog that was quite insightful that this blogger, who is a former NFL uh, GM, so very savvy guy, said he believes that the Steelers are better on the road. And here's why. He believes they have one of the fastest defenses, you know, in football, if not the fastest right now, and that the muddy, uh, grassy track 
in Pittsburgh slows them down, and it's an equalizer. The Steelers used to be a rough-and-tumble team. They're not a rough-and-tumble team anymore on offense. Their defense is super fast, and maybe on the turf, maybe on the better fields, that they're even a better defense, with New England being an example of that. How fast did they look on that Patriots turf? Matty? Well, I just want to build off that, too, and I think uh, going off what you said is that they can take the home field away from the home team right away because of the way they play defense. I mean, the whole the whole home field advantage thing is getting the crowd behind you. If their defense comes out on the field and, and basically, you know, forces three and outs on the first couple possessions and then the Steelers score a touchdown, that's where they have the edge on the road. They take that home field away from you right away. Interesting, interesting. Marco, uh, with you being the Pittsburgh expert, you want to fill out the conversation here? Your point about the field is, is absolutely excellent because the Steelers uh, stadium, Heinz Field, is one of the only uh, fields in the National League that gets used as heavy as it does. The Pitt Panthers play their games there as well. And in the month of November, they play all of the high school championship games, all the quad city games there. They play on Thanksgiving weekend like six games on that field, and that's what chews it up, and that's why they have to replace it. And we all remember last year that one game that they replaced the sod. It was a Monday night game, and it was just falling apart. People were falling all over the place and looked like divots coming up on a golf course. So that's a very good point, RJ, with that blog, and that guy was dead on with that. Interesting. Now, Pittsburgh, you know, I'm a fan. I'm a, actually the Steelers are the one team I root for with a lot of um, vigor. But the the reality is, we all know that you can't bet with your with your heart ever. So to me, looking at the game though, I've gained a little advantage because I've watched almost every Steeler game. And what I'd like to do is pose this to Vegas Runner is. It strikes me that Pittsburgh does particularly well, not only in the second half, because we've seen the stats, some of us, most of us, where they've done so well in the third quarter, and the theory is, wow, they're getting more physical, and, and, and they're going to beat them down, down. Yeah. or maybe it's the coaching changes cause of LeBeau, who knows, but we've done real well in the second half. I would make the case that we've done particularly well in the last eight minutes of the game. We've had numerous games, and I say we as a Steelers fan. For sure, but they're in the first Baltimore game. So now you've got a rookie quarterback and a rookie coach on the Baltimore side. What do you see? And it's such a close game. Do you see that being maybe a differentiator? Well, yeah, you'd have to give the advantage there to Pittsburgh. Obviously, Roethlisberger is going to have more – has more – what experience right. um, in these kind of games than Flacco does, you know. But like I, I said, I couldn't have put two teams that are more equal when you break this down, RJ. I mean, you look at the quarterbacks, they both have almost the identical rating. They both have the same completion percentage. They both have the same yards, same touchdown-interception ratio just about. I mean, you look at the defenses are even. You see the yards, everything with these two teams are even. And like you said, the edge with Baltimore being home, but Pittsburgh being 5-1 and one on the road negates that. So, I mean, this is as even of a matchup as you're going to get. For me to handicap this game, for me to pick a winner in this game, I'd have to either be so sure that one team's special teams is going to dominate the other and, and totally get field position, or be very confident that one team will be able to force the turnovers. I think that's what it's going to come down to. There's three points, and I, I haven't made up my mind which way I'm going with this game yet, and of course I'll probably have something on the so weekend. So, Marco, what you're telling us is potentially at pregamepros.com we can get your, your final Potentially, opinion. yes. That's what I'm telling you. 
But three points. You touched on one. Roethlisberger versus Flacco is definitely a huge edge. You have to give that to Pittsburgh. And to use a phrase that I used earlier in the podcast, when Flacco went into Pittsburgh on that Monday night game, he was free rolling. Nobody expected Baltimore to go in there. It was early in the season. Baltimore didn't have any pressure because they didn't expect to be this good. And a lot of people forget that Flacco, when he went into that game into Pittsburgh, he transferred out of Pitt. So that was like a homecoming for Flacco. Now the roles are totally reversed. He has all the pressure in the world on him because now they expect him to win. And if the two defenses dominate the game and take the running game away, which neither team can run, you know, gives up yardage on the ground, the quarterbacks are going to have to make the plays. And that puts pressure on him. So that's a huge edge to Pittsburgh. I think that's a key point is, and this is something Colin Coward talks about, is one of the key differentiators in the NFL is if it's third and eight, who can make the play? And, and you would have to say Pittsburgh has the edge there. Absolutely. The second edge, you touched also, um, VR, about special teams. The Pittsburgh punting game is horrible. The, the Pittsburgh punting game is so bad. They lost their punter in preseason. They had to sign Mitch Berger. He was so bad they had to sign somebody else that was even worse that they had to bring Mitch Berger back. Right. So Baltimore could win in a defensive battle. You start, you know, if you lose 10 or 15 yards on every possession on kicks, that adds up against two defenses when you play a field position game. So there you give the edge to Baltimore. The final factor that I'm going to make about the two defenses is in the last two weeks, the Steeler defense has managed 10 turnovers. If they can produce the turnovers Sunday, they will win in Baltimore. Okay, so first thing is I think we should just pause a minute and really think about how amazing it is to have that deep insight that comes with specializing. You know, Marco does very well with all his bats. That's why he's uh, made a living at it for 30 years, almost 30 years. But the reality is to know about the sorting of the field, to know about the, uh, the November uh, high school playoff games, to know about the punting situation, that's the kind of level of insight that when you get professionals that specialize, it can really make a difference. So uh, I, I think there's a lot of, um, you know, a lot of grateful listeners out there for that level of information. Now, one point I would make, and this is something that you're going to hear again and again and again from me, and I think that uh, if you listen close, you're probably going to agree with me as time passes. It's really about public perception. The lines maker is not wrong all that often. These guys are pretty smart. So not every game is going to have a right side. But when the public has a misimpression of a game, there's a real chance that you get value with that game. And one exercise I like to do, and I want to kind of go to Maddie with this, is move the line three points and say, is that a line you could say is reasonable? And if you move it three points each way and the line doesn't make sense, you know the line's probably right. But if you move it three points one way and you say, you know, I could see that line. Now you might have some value. So when I look at this game and I think, could Pittsburgh be laying three? I'm thinking, no. That, that, that seems crazy to me, that Pittsburgh be laying three on the road against a team that might be better than them. Now, could Baltimore be laying three? And to me, that feels like that's a possible line. I would probably lean towards Pittsburgh, but it doesn't seem crazy. 
So to me, I think that my gut feeling is because of the public perception, Pittsburgh is one of the favorite teams in the country. Is there the potential value on the Baltimore side? Now, that one or two points of value doesn't make up for other potential factors that a professional might be seeing. So, Maddie, I guess the question I have for you is, does it make sense that you – well, maybe here's the question. Could you look at a Baltimore 3 and think that's not crazy? No. I mean, I actually – I was kind of leaning that way too. I mean, I think the Steelers are the better team, but I think what you're saying is absolutely correct. And one of the things that's kind of weighed in with me, and this is kind of what happened when I looked at the Giants' the last three games – is who, who the Steelers have been beating the, the last couple games compared to who the Ravens have. And to me, the Steelers are a better team. But how many times can they keep getting up for these games? I mean, we've talked about like a look-ahead game the last two or three weeks, I think, with the Steelers. Oh, the, the Patriots, they might look past that game, but it's a big game. Oh, they got the Cowboys on deck. But then Marco last week even said they might be looking past the Cowboys because they got the Ravens on deck. But they won. They've won four in a row. They're three and one in their last four against the spread. They beat the Patriots badly in Marco's the grand gobbler game of the year. <laughs> and like, I mean, that that's one of those things where they're going. It's another tough road game. That's what I thought with the Giants. They'd won like two really tough games that I thought they were going to lose because they were kind of due to lose. You're not going to win all your games, obviously. But then, you, what's going to be that one game where they kind of are a little bit off? And I would jump in and say, Marco, I want to get your direct opinion on this, is uh, Coach Tomlin seems very loose. And we all know Bill Cowher was not loose. And, and it's my theory as a fan that that caused the Steelers a lot of trouble in the big playoff games. Tomlin seems very loose. And to me, maybe the idea that the team is just trying to do their job and isn't feeling high pressure might allow them not to succumb to what Maddie's saying. Marco, what's your thoughts? Um my opinion on Tomlin, and you touched upon it earlier about the way the Steelers make adjustments at halftime and they play the second half, I thought one of the biggest faults that Cowher had during his career is he was a great preparation coach, great motivator, but once they got to game day, he got outcoached a lot of times and in, in crunch game. time. In, in game coach. He didn't make adjustments in game. Now, whether that goes all to Tomlin or it goes to his assistants, but if you remember, Dick LeBeau was there under the Cowers regime too. So I got to give credit to Tomlin with that. I'm going to bring up one last point about that you touched upon with public perception, and this is something to remember. And I've said this in an earlier podcast, and I've said this thousands of times over my 30 years. No team is ever as good as their best game, and no team is ever as bad as their worst game. And remember, in the last two weeks, the Pittsburgh Steelers were the national feed for the late game. They played New England on you know, TV. And that's why last week I said, Matty, this is a danger spot for the Steelers. They looked too good against New England, and they got a big game coming up against Baltimore. And really, honestly, for three and a half quarters, Pittsburgh beat. was yeah. getting beat last week. They didn't play their best game. But good teams find a way to win when things aren't the best. And that's what they were able to pull off. But I think that's part of the reason why the line may look a little bit late when it came out at pick is because Pittsburgh wasn't a national spotlight which means there's, in a row. Which means there's potential value. Right. But again, the thing is, over the, there's an old saying in gambling here in Vegas, is you can die waiting for the long term. So in the long term, those one or two point ed, edges can uh, really make a difference. 
Um, but in the short term, sometimes you're willing to lay an extra point or two if there's other factors that, that, that supersede that. So what I'm going to ask is this. Before we move on to the second half of our second segment, is there any closing comments? I think we pretty much covered it. Yeah, I think that was a a great conversation. So we're going to go straight uh, to Vegas Runner here with our second half of our second segment. But first, let's quickly talk about what's coming up in segment three. We'll be having our question of the week from the forum at pregame.com. And we're going to have our free selections from our experts. But first, let's talk about the national championship game. This is a game I'm excited about. There's a chance I'm going to be going to it, but we'll see. Is... I've personally believed, and actually there was a post on the forums about people, someone was screaming saying the Big 12 has been underrated. There's all this talk about the Big 12 not being good. Well, we're going to see. I actually believe that. I believe the Big 12 is is the best conference in football this year. But we're going to get a chance. It's the SEC that's got their big fans, and we've got the Big 12 that's got R.J. Bell as a big fan, for example, amongst (laughs) others. So, But the reason we're going to talk about this game is And listen, one of the things we're going to be doing here on the Pregame.com podcast, we're not only going to be talking about our winners, you know, because the reality is, is one of the things we're going to teach you is that a professional batter, and Vegas Runner can talk about this, if he can win even 55% of the time, long term, he can make a living. He can never have to work again. And that means, think about it, 50% to 55 is one out of 20 games. If you can find an edge in 1 out of 20 games, if you can win 11 out of, of, of 20 instead of 10 out of 20, you're 55%. So we're going to lose here. Now that said, sometimes, but we're going to hopefully win more than we lose. And historically, that's what we've done. But we do have a situation where we get to crow a little bit about our good picks. <laughs> and this is one where Vegas Runner... In the forums, in the community, to his audience said he believes Florida is going to win the national championship. And he said this way back in August. First podcast. First podcast. Now, Marco D'Angelo said, I think Oklahoma is going to win the national championship. So you guys can actually go to pregame.com and look to that first podcast and listen for verification of that. So now we find, one, we get a chance to really talk about that and smile and say these guys had a good feel for the college football season. But two, let's talk about the game and Vegas Runner start off on the Florida side, for example. Well, this Florida team, I believed in them from the beginning of the season. And uh, to be honest with you, the Oklahoma pick by Marco way overshadows my Florida pick. That was, I mean, he pulled that out because you had the look, even going in, Texas was going to compete. Marco, what, what, what so, was the payoffs on the futures for Oklahoma? They were like eight. Yeah, I think eight, Florida, eight. I believe, was maybe five or six to one, and Oklahoma was eight or better. I mean, I'm sure you could have found ten, ten to one at least on them. Um, but I, I believed in Florida, and I still do. I just think Urban Meyer is the kind of coach that knows what it takes to win in college football. He knows what it takes to get into the BCS game. And I really think when you give this guy some time to prepare – and you get, I mean, his team just seems like they want to play for him. They never seem to lose confidence. They've never been rattled. Um, you saw the stat when they played Alabama. Tebow has never come back in the second half of a game. He was 0-5. And, but what happened, he went and he won that game. Um, so let me jump in. Maybe, because we do have the month lead up. Maybe I think what I want to hear, 
as the host. So now it's, you know, I, I, get, I get to decide now. This is what I've been dreaming about. When I listen to you guys, I'm like, oh, they should have said that. Is what should we as batters be looking at in the next couple of weeks? Let's not handicap the game so much. What would, you, what would be the one thing if it happened? And again, we haven't planned this, so this is off the cuff. If it happened, you'd say, wow, I like Florida even more. Or if it doesn't happen, or what could happen that you would say, I don't like Florida quite as much? I, I, want, I really am interested in seeing where this line finally gets to and where it's going to balance out. So then I can make my decision, will it move game day? Because usually, you know, it, it does. When you're looking at a game that's going to be played a month in advance, um, a lot of things happen between now and then. The last time I looked at the line, it's been sitting around 3, 3 minus 120 in, in Florida's favor. All right, so let me say this. It's been my belief, and I believe it happens a vast majority, not a vast majority, but a majority of the time, that with the Bulls, the favorites tend to creep up moving towards game day. And the and, and thus, if you're a favorite batter, you want to play early. If you're a dog batter, you want to play late. Would you say, and let me open it up here, um, would you say in general that's what you've seen with bowl games? Yeah, especially with, with the big games. With, with the big games, the, the favorite money is The big games go down because first. there's more public action on those games. Exactly. And they're going to, the favorite is going to tend to move up, just like you said, in them games. So even the big betters that want to get down on the fave, they're going to get down early. And that's going to allow the sports book to know they need to adjust this line so everybody else don't follow along. Historically, in the bowls too, and this may be a pregame nugget for you, the early bowls have been dominated by the dogs. The later bowls have been dominated by the favorites. And the, the premise behind that is, is the early bowls are the less meaningful bowls. So a lot of times you have the teams that are big favorites, but the kids are there to party. It's, it's not a big bowl, you know, where the team that's the underdog always has the advantage and the chip on their shoulder were the underdogs. Plus you're talking about the favorites bigger. are disappointed they didn't make it to a bigger bowl. Exactly. And then when you get to the, the better games, it's just like, you know, to go to horse racing, you see a lot of favorites win the big races because the cream of the crop comes there and you're going the best against the best. So with the better games, it's back to the Baltimore-Pittsburgh, which is motivation isn't an issue. They're both hyper-motivated. Exactly. But motivation and I think specifically disappointment – and I think coaching changes. So I would say next week, let's make a point that our big conversation be about bowl factors and handicapping. Actually, RJ, when we get to our question of the week, touches on uh, the bowls. Uh, and that's some of the stuff that I had for, the, for that question of the week. Excellent. But, excellent. To, to answer your question about the Florida-Oklahoma game, the one thing that I'm really interested in seeing is, is the total movement. Um, for for them to put out seventy two and not have the the wise guys right away blast it under really shocked me, because right away they're usually going to go under on a big game. They're going to go under like I remember we talked about this in a podcast in the past. Exactly. Um, I knew beforehand when when I worked as one of them people that bet steam. Um, Whenever they put a lineup of 70, I bet under right away. I didn't even have to wait for it to come in because I knew they were going to call with under anyway because they know you know, probability more times than not. You have one low-scoring quarter, you're going to cash more than you're not when a total 70. So I was shocked that they didn't bet it under yet. And I went back and looked at last year's um, national championship, LSU-Ohio State, and that moved three or four points towards the under. 
And I'm interested to see, is this going to do the same? I know everybody's expecting a shootout. I know the public perception is a lot of points. So the, the public betters might be looking at the over. But I really want to see, are the Sharps going to do what they do pretty much every year? And that's go under on the national championship game and go under a game that's as high as it is right now. Because it's been staying steady since Because that game's out. a public game, and public pe- pub- the public likes to bet over. And that's what I'm I thinking. I'm thinking, are they waiting to get 73 or 74 on game day? That's the question I have. All right, so let, let's dig into this just a little bit. Is To me, this is a big, emerging, handicapping approach, which is how do you read the marketplace? In a way, sports betting lines are just like the stock market. Teams are bet up, teams are bet down. What does it mean? Momentum trading is something you might have heard with day trading with stocks. And when it comes to the syndicates that are betting the big money that move the market, is a guy like Vegas Runner that has decades of experience uh, watching the market Sometimes a guy like you can see the market and it will tell you something. It might tell you the wise guys are going to come in later. It might tell you you don't know what the wise guys are going to do. So really, what is our takeaway from what you saw? You, you were shocked the line didn't get hit down by the wise guys early. So what's your, what's your potential thinking on that in regards to the meaning of it? If I had to, to guess right now, I think they're sitting back and they're waiting to see if the public is actually willing to go over 72. Because 72 so you're is saying a high if, number. So you're saying if the line starts to go up, they're going to wait and let it run up. And if then you're going to see a if it, big if drop. If it ticks down, though, they might play it under right away, saying the market's moving this exactly. way. Exactly. I couldn't have put it better myself. So really what we're saying is if we're looking to play the total, is let's look at the early move and, and based upon that, and let's repeat it one more time, if it goes up, the wise guys are probably going to wait and play late. If it goes down, they're going to say, almost like the Giants game. The Giants game against New England in the Super Bowl last year, it started ticking down. Right. And it seemed like the wise guys said, well, we're not going to get 14 and a half. We got to jump gotta on take it now. now. And that'll, that's what will happen. If you see this go to 71, the next move you'll see is 69 and a half because they'll, they'll send out you know the buy order on the under right away. Now, that's great insight. That, and again, there's no guarantee with that, but that's the actionable information that we're going to try to really stress with the pregame.com podcast. So, Marco, first off, kudos on your prediction uh, of Oklahoma. So let me pose a narrow question. What is something that could happen in the next couple of weeks that would make you like Oklahoma more or vice versa? Well, obviously, the obvious, if somebody would get hurt in practice, you know, you got to wait till game day. Touching one point on your total, do you think possibly one of the reasons that um, the outfits might wait a little bit longer on this game is because how far away it is. You've got a month to go. And the fact that the last month of the season, that's the one team that going under did not work with. Oklahoma scored 60 points themselves. How many straight games? The one point that I'm going to make is that you don't have here. They don't have to impress anybody anymore with points. They're in the national championship game. All they got to do is win. So that could send a tighter style of play sure. and the fact that this game is being played in Miami you never know if you're going to get rain in Miami or not where weather could be a major factor on, on a game well but here would be my question and I want to hear what Vegas Renner has to say but is if it's so low that the wise guys don't think there's value playing under then wouldn't the public be chomping at the bit to play over I think the number 
No, no, but you're you're a pro. You're yeah. a great handicapper. But we're trying to read the market here. We're not trying to right. handicap the game. Is it's either the right number or it's the public likes it, so they're going to bet it up, or the the wise guys like the under, so they're going to bet it down. You know, maybe it's as simple as the numbers right. You know, is it's it's high enough that the wise guys are playing under, but it's low enough that the 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 public's playing over. Yeah, I just I couldn't see any you know outfit bringing this out at 72 that's what shocked me like i could see someone making it as high as even 68 69 so so let's back up when you say bring it out at you're saying that the outfits or the syndicates or the groups of people that combine to bet they come up with their number and if the number varies from that by a certain amount they it's an automatic play exactly and and what people fail to realize is that the handicapping takes place after all this goes down um the initial moves are based solely on their ratings, solely on their numbers. Um, what goes down is, let's say Sunday, we know that the game, the lines are going to go up in three hours. So I receive a sheet, and my sheet's going to have the So you, you received the sheet in the past tense. Right. Received okay. the sheet that, that has every game listed and what the line should be. And that's based strictly on their power ratings against what LVSC does and what the offshore odds makers have. This is their own handicapper's power ratings. And as you stand there and the line goes up, if my sheet had for this game had 3 and 67, as soon as they put up that number of sets 3 and 72, I have to run to the window and bet under and keep betting under until they get down to around 67. Now what that does is we get back to the office. Now their handicappers have a month to do their work and realize, do they want to stay, keep this position? Do they want to come back and try to middle the game? You know, how significant of a, right. of a position are they willing so, to take? So I think that's a, a subject, the whole idea of the mech, the mechanics of the way the outfits work. That's a whole segment. So what I can take away from this is that there's one of two things happening with the lack of movement in the total. One is that the number was handicapped right around what it was. Or two, they put a special order out and they said, because of this situation, we're going to do something a little different. So, and I guess we're going to see yeah, which what way it's going to go. And realize this, that Oklahoma went over in every game this year but one. And their last three totals have been 78 and a half, 75 and 76 and a half. So Vegas setting this number at the number they did already has lowered it from what they've what, had the, last, right, the right. last three games have been, anticipating a lower scoring game than they've been doing. Well, and now they're all of a sudden they're going against a team with defense. You know, they those totals were also against Big 12, Big 12 teams. All right, fair enough, fair enough. Okay, so before we move on, and real quick, we'll be going to segment three, which is going to have our question of the week and our selections of the week. Maddie, who did you like to win the national championship? Oh, boy. Well, I went with a long shot. I didn't go with the, you know, I know Oklahoma was a great pick. I I went with Missouri at twenty to one. They obviously that's not. a that's a team. I think that we might be talking about motivationally. It seems like that team might have quit. Well, especially yeah. But again, in their bowl game, I think you know they're going to be a team to watch. Maybe you know forget the past because as you remember, they closed the season out pretty bad last year and then still went into the Cotton Bowl and covered easily. So, but, but they they that's have a lot a good of point. talent. But but. Uh, 
you know, I want to kind of forget about that pick. I took a shot at the long <laughs> well, <we> shot. Went... <laughs> I, I was looking at a nice payday if it happened. But... You make a good point, though. It's better to win, you know, 120 to one pick than three, five to yeah, one that, pick. Yeah, that's more so. my style. I'd, but uh... when I say throw out the VR, you know, since me and you, you know, correctly predicted the national championship matchup, I, I think RJ should forgo his tickets to the national championship <laughs> and send it. us to watch it live. You know what was funny? I was thinking that you guys with your winning future bets would buy me dinner. <laughs> so we had, we had a total different we'll perspective We'll see who wins it. We'll see who wins the Okay, so this is the... Uh, okay, Maddie, coming I just in. Have, yeah, I just have one more thing that I'm looking at because you, you were you know posing the question to these guys, what thing that could happen in the next couple of weeks. And uh, I'm going to go right to the Heisman Trophy on this one. And with big time with public perception, I actually bet on on Sam Bradford to win uh, a couple what months ago. I got, I got two to one. I remember you. And uh, posted on the forums a few times. But to be honest with you, I, I would change my bet right now and, and take Tebow. I, I don't think he's going to win. I think Sam Bradford's actually going to win. But I think one of the key factors in this game will be Sam Bradford winning the Heisman Trophy. And you heard it here first before Saturday. He will win. And then Team Tebow will play with a giant chip on his shoulder, oh, already, already, already winning the Heisman. Vince Young, exactly. Lineman. Vince Young part two, and then also going into that game, you know, he's going to have a lot of motivation. He's going to answer the critics, and, and you know, you got to remember Jason White. I remember Jason White put up some monster numbers. Played an SEC team in the national championship against LSU. Only scored 14 points against that. Against okay, that so defense. so the action I'm hearing here is that if Bradford wins, one is t- chip on the shoulder, giving Florida an edge. But two, it would seem back to public perception. Now the Heisman Heisman's guy, an automatic fade in my opinion. The yeah, Heisman's going to be a big uh, system play. Fade the team that won that has the Heisman Trophy. Interesting. So we talked for a long time, and maybe the best point of the conversation came at the very end. So Good point, great Matty. job, Maddie. Okay, we're moving on to segment three, and we'll be right back. This is Maddie O'Shea, pregame.com's GM of content, and I'm here to tell you about the pregame wire, which is your source for breaking sports betting news, giving you injury and lineup alerts each and every game day. If a key player is out, the pregame wire will tell you before you bet the game, giving you the edge you need to be a smart and informed better. For fantasy football players, the pregame wire is also a must-visit page to find out who is in and who is out of your lineup every week. Just go to pregame.com and click wire alerts on the left side to get the pregame wire alerts right now. And we're back with segment three of the sports betting preview show, a pregame.com podcast. We just looked at the clock and we've been going for an hour at this point. So we're going to tighten up the third segment and hopefully you guys have found it very interesting. I can tell you I have. Okay, so first up is the question of the week and then we'll have the actual picks from our experts. Uh, question of the week is from forum member Billy Baru, and from Caddyshack fame, I'm, I've been told. And here's what we do: is on the forums at pregame.com, and you can go there straight from the homepage of pregame.com or pregameforums.com. We have a open thread each week that says, "Hey, what's the question of the week? What do you want to hear from the experts?" And Billy won this week, and he's getting. Oh, wow, I'm reading $50 coupon for winning. Now, Marco, my understanding is it's it's typically not that much. It's $25, but because it was Christmas, I wanted to give away more of your money. No, actually, what was happened is the last time that we had the question of the week, we ended up using an in-house question from one of our staff members, 
and they're ineligible for the 25. So it rolled over, just like in horse racing, we had a carryover. It's $50 this week. Sorry, Archie. Well, Bi Billy should have some fun. And remember, Billy's going to be able to use that coupon at pregamepros.com, or you can go straight from the homepage. That's where we have all our picks, and that includes Maddie's picks, Marco's picks, Vegas Runner's picks, and many others. And many other of those handicappers really participate on the forum. So though you get a real flavor of our handicappers here on the podcast, you also, on the forums and the blogs, can do that too. So Billy, maybe because he knew he was getting a double uh, payoff, had two questions. There was a part A and a part B. Part A, we really touched on, so it shows how good of the question it was in segment two. And, and so what I want is a recap, and I'm going to go to Marco with this, is the question really is, there's a whole month before a lot of these bowl games. How do the lines move typically, and, and where do you see the value, playing early or playing late? Well, me personally, I always wait till game day, but the value that we touched upon here was the early bowl games tend to be dominated by the dogs because motivation is a key factor. These teams, many of them are not happy to be here. They had higher aspirations and it just didn't work, work out. Yeah, well, a little slip of the tongue there. But we uh, going to the later games, you've got more at stake. You're playing for the New Year's Day Bowls and generally the cream rises to the top there. One other factor that I use that you want to wait a little bit later to is some teams travel better than other teams. As you get closer to game time, you can get more information on how the ticket splits went as far as how many were sold to which university and gives you a feel for what the crowd's going to be. Which I think that comment is going to segue into our the second question, so that's good. But I'm not sure I understand what you're saying. And I'm, you know, as the host here, my goal is going to be to act as a listener. These guys know, I know a lot of theory when it comes to sports betting. But when it comes to the day-to-day -day games, these guys blow me away. Vegas Runner is, uh, you want to jump in? Yeah, I, I think I understand his question. Um, I think he wants to know when's the best time to bet the games. Whether if you're going to bet why, a favorite, yeah. if you're going to bet a dog, if you're going to bet over, if you're going to bet under. My advice to you, when it comes to the side, if it's on a key number and you want to take the dog, if it's on a seven, if it's on a three, grab it right away. They're very hesitant to go off it. More times than not, it'll go below the key number than above the key number. Um, that That's just what I've seen by uh, for doing this for forever. Um, the other thing I want to tell you, and this, I don't even have to look, and I could guarantee you that at least 70% of Every total that is up there right now will drop um, at least two or three points. That's that, just... that runs contrary to, to, to my general theory with all gambling is that the closer you get to game time, the more the public bets, the public bets over. Yeah, if you're going to bet an over, wait. Unless it's a game like last year, Tulsa Bowling Green, where they brought the over. I remember it was like 70, 70. No, 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 but, but That's going to go up. VR, let me jump in. Is I'm saying the opposite. So this is what I want to understand. Is I'm saying that closer to game time, totals go up typically. And I'm not talking about college bowls because the public gets involved the day of the game. Right, And they're right. betting the over. Like on a Monday night game. Two hours before the game is when you'll see it move up a point. Okay, so now you're saying, though, in bowls, totals typically will go down. Now, now what's the difference? Absolutely, because that's that's the sharp money. Um, 
the lines right away are going to be inflated. The total will be inflated. When it when you're talking bowl games, the more public perception has to be involved because the the handle's going to be bigger on on a lot of these games than it will be on a, a typical Thursday when Central Michigan is playing Miami Ohio compared to when them two teams are playing in a bowl game. You're going to get more of a handle. So it, the line will be geared more towards public perception than it will be towards the Sharks. So you're saying the opening number that the um, lines maker is putting out accounts for the public action more than a typical game. Exactly, exactly. And that's why when you'll, you'll look at these lines, um, whatever they are today, and as the days go by, the weeks go by, as we approach game day, you will see they have dropped three or four points All right, so from what it opened at. So our action here is if you like the under, bet early. If you like the over, wait bet it late. Out. Wait it out. And that's contrary to most games, but again, that's what makes sports handicapping so interesting is is the nuance to this. Marco? One of the points that you made about the key numbers with threes, sevens, and tens, and you said generally your experience has seen that when those numbers move, they have a tendency to move down, not up. And that's very good observation. And I think the reason for that is because in the last several years, teasers have become more evident. And Vegas will, doesn't want to move a line from seven to seven and a half because when you're taking the teaser up, now you're moving it to three two scores. Yeah, yeah. You know, where if you're taking it down, you're keeping it under the two scores, you know, or at nine and a half if you're taking a game to say, you know. It's all in the in the I, teaser. I, all right, so you're absolutely I think, right. I think that's a whole segment is teaser, how teasers affect lines, and, and I think that's an interesting point. So, so far what I'm hearing is we got two takeaways, and again, we, we've heard this now. Bet early if you like the under. Bet late if you like the over. And if you're on a key number, bet it early. Now let's drill into that because that doesn't make a ton of sense to me and, and then we can uh, jump in and get into our plays of the week here. But actually we have our uh, second part of the question too. So let's really try to drill quick into this, but I think it's important. So game seven, okay? Now in theory, the odds are 50% it's going to, or a certain amount of the time it's going to stay seven. So no matter when you bet, right. it doesn't matter. A certain percentage of the time it's going to go to seven and a half, a certain percentage of the time it's going to go to six and a half. Now, if you like the dog, you're hoping it goes to seven and a half. If you like the favorite, you're hoping it goes to six and a half. What makes it more likely that it's going to go against you? Because more times than not, the sharp money, the, the heavy money, the steam is going to take the points. Okay, so if they're going to take the points, what you're saying, then if you like the dog, take the number early. When it's on a key number, yeah, like I said, okay. when it's on a three, a seven, and you like the plus seven, the plus three, take it right away. Don't wait for three and a half. Don't wait for seven and a half. It probably All won't right, get so, there. So that's, and, and I'm happy we drilled down. That's a different takeaway that, and I misunderstood, and you might have said it right the first time, is if you're taking the points, take the key number. Yeah. If you're going to lay the points, wait. Exactly. And again, that's opposite of what typically happens. Is typically favorites go up and dogs go up. down. And well, favorites go up, and it's better to bet the dogs late, right? Right. In the NFL, for example. But again, in college, we're saying because the lines maker is accounting for public action when they open the line, it's usually the sharps that's taking the taking the points and moving the line down. I couldn't agree with you more. The sharps usually bet late. On game day, where in one of our podcasts a couple of weeks ago, Johnny Detroit always said that the number that ends is the that's 
the right side, the last bets that come in. That's where the sharp, where it ends up, the sharps ended it up there. Right. And smart sharps are going to play the dogs more than they play the favorites. It's a public reality. Squares play mostly favorites. See, I think we got to carry this the next week because what Marco just said, and here's the thing. We could sit here and it can be like shows you see on TV that are sports betting and we won't name any names where they're all just smiling at each other and talking about how great they are. We're here, locks coming up. Yeah, we're here to drill down into the facts. And, and if sports betting was easy, everyone would be an expert. So, you know, to be honest, I'm not sure how much I, I – I may disagree with some of the comments. Now, when it comes to steam action, Vegas runners the authority. But what I heard from Marco seems like it's saying the other side of things. You're saying if the Sharps are playing late – then the theory is that if it's only publics playing early leading up to the game, then if you want to play the dog, you should play the day before the game, right before the sharps do. If you want to play the if you want to play the dog, but so many times on Sunday, you know, I mean, NFL and college, I'll agree with uh, Vegas runner. They're both different animals. You're going to get for sure. There's more sharps that play in the NFL. Um, I mean, not sharps, excuse me. The uh, squares play because it's on TV. They want to watch that. But there's but, not going to be more squares playing in the NFL than college bowls. No, college bowls, especially the couple days right before New Year's Day and New Year's Day, everybody plays. And you know this will be my first uh, year in Vegas for New Year's. But this is a high-traffic destination over New Year's holiday. And you got people in here that are going to be playing. It's almost like the Kentucky. All right, Derby. so let's let me jump in. Let, let me jump in here because we we got to drill down, and and I guess that's going to be a catchphrase of mine here. Is here's what I'm hearing, and maybe we should leave it at this. Maybe we can get some talk on the forums going at pregame.com, and um and and maybe we can pick this up in a future podcast, maybe next week. Is here's what I'm hearing. Typically, NFL is typical. You want to bet favorites early, dogs late. And, I, and I've seen that for many years. Right. Vegas Runner is saying, hey, when it comes to bowls, it's a slightly different story. The lines maker is considering the public action. He's opening the line high. The public is betting it still, but the wise guys are going to take that nice, juicy number. That's why, and they're dog players typically, that's why we're saying if you're taking the points, take a key number early. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that's Exactly what I'm saying. Now, that's a simple takeaway. It sounds like there might be a little nuance that we want to get into next week. And, uh, and, and, and perhaps Marco can lead off with that next week in regards to the difference between that takeaway and maybe some nuance. So, Maddie, before we, why don't we start with Maddie? Um, we made a commitment to keep it short, but I, the, the conversation is so interesting. Um, part two of the question from Billy was, and I'm going to read this verbatim. Besides USC, are there any other teams slash bowls that have a true home field advantage? Maddie, what's your thoughts? Oh, that's a very good question. I mean, I, I wouldn't even say USC really has a home field. I mean, uh, you know, Vegas Runner and I were, I mean, we were kind of talking about this at the break. And, you know, I mean, unless a team is playing at their very home stadium, I haven't looked at every single bowl game yet and done my capping. But like that to me, that's like saying Miami's got home field or uh, Florida's got home field in the national championship game, and I, I don't think that's necessarily the case. That game's gonna be played like the Super Bowl, you know, with co- a lot of corporate people in there. R.J. Bell will be in the stands, and you know, <laughs> to be to be honest, there's that's not a home field. I don't know who he's rooting for. He's just happy to be there. So you know, USC playing at the Rose Bowl, they haven't had like 
you know, a ton of success there. I mean, in some of the games against the Big Ten teams, they've done pretty well. Okay, so so what I'm I, hearing... I just disagree. I, I don't think, like like Vegas Runner said, unless Boise is playing on the Smurf turf or something like that, That's that. those are the games you got to And when at. you mentioned Vegas Runner, that was in uh, our little talk before the segment. So really, here's one takeaway. is clearly, and this is, uh, you don't need professionals to tell you this, if it's the actual home field, there's going to be a home field advantage. Marco made a great point when we were talking about the, uh, the prior subject, which is the ticket splits. Is The reality is that the tickets are divvied up a certain way, and then though some teams can say, I don't want that many tickets, and they give them to the other team. That's information that we can drill down into uh, on the forums. And let's put out another request. is If anyone reads about ticket information, post it. Post it. We want to hear about it. Now, VR... Here's the question. What do you see to be the main factor in an advantage? It might not be a home field advantage. But let's call it a stadium advantage for a, uh, in a bowl game. Uh, like I told you, I, you know, I'll be straight. I really do not put too much stock in, in where the game is being played. Um, I really don't. They have a month to get there. I mean, it, it's not like you're, you're worried about travel time. And But we're know. talking, and again, that's a good point. What are the components of home field advantage? One is being familiar with the stadium. So in the case of USC, they do have an advantage there. Two is going to be... How many that, miles you logged in the last two weeks? The hassle of getting there. Well, you make a good point. Is With the lead-up time, that's not a hassle. The third key, and I think it is the key, is the crowd. Who's the crowd supporting? I was actually at the Ohio State Miami of Florida National Championship game. I think it's been six or seven years now, and it was 90% Ohio State. And I can tell you there was a huge crowd advantage in that game. So maybe, and, and, and going to Marco here, maybe the real fact in bowls is going to be how a team travels. A high state is, is notorious. Yeah, like we were saying during the break. That's what I'd put more stock in. Yeah, what most teams of the travel teams well, do that, yeah. you know, what teams are going to travel the best. Um, it has, has, at least if you're going to try to come up with a, with a home field edge, I would look more towards what team travels better, what, what fans travel with the team more. And like Marco said, which, who's going to fill the seats? Marketing. As I always like to do, and I drive RJ nuts with it, is I always think totally different and opposite. Uh, I'm going to come here and tell you about a home field disadvantage. And this is a point that none of you guys have brought up, and it's something that I use. Um, the whole purpose of a bowl game is a benefit. It's a reward for a good year. If you're in one of these early crap bowls and it's across town, how does the team get motivated? They didn't go anywhere. And again, and, and, and I think that's a very interesting conversation, but it's not about home field advantage. You're saying, and I think that this can be a segue to next week, is that one of the key handicapping, handicapping factors is going to be motivation in the bowls. And, and I actually... Yeah, that's number one. I, I agree. And we're going to be talking about that next week. And Marco, I agree with you 100%. And I think the takeaway here, and again, we're going to really focus on actionable takeaways, info worth batting, is how does the team travel is going to be a real factor. But it only really matters if it's going to be an extreme case. If it's 60-40, it's really no big difference. No. And the case can be made that there isn't a big home field for any team. Another consideration is the surface. Is is it a different surface? Is this a team that is a timing Indoor, team outdoor. that's on grass now? A lot of little factors, but in general, I think it's not a big factor. 
And if, if the one thing we are looking for is travel and ticket splits, and I think it's something we can talk about on the forums. And um, okay, excellent. So we're moving on to many people's favorite segment of the week, which is our free picks from our experts. Now, one thing to think about. Usually if we do something in the podcast, there's something at the site that's similar. So one thing we have is free picks at the site. So on one hand, and we keep talking about the forums, there's a lot of free picks up there. Also, if you go to pregamepros.com and click on the left link, there's a free pick tab. Actually, there's a free pick tab on the homepage, and you can get free picks from the handicappers. And there's a website that we run called freepicksbyemail.com. That's freepicksbyemail.com. You get 10 free picks a day from 10 famous handicappers, and that's free to sign up. So you can do that just with an email address. So we know there's a lot of free picks floating around, and we know Billy got $50 of free picks because of his question of the week. Let's start off with our games of the week, and let's start off with Maddie. All right, well, I'm going to go with a game that's kind of uh, not on the board. It's on the board a few places, and that's uh, the, the Vikings against the Cardinals. And uh, I think some of the reason this game isn't on the board is because the quarterback situation for the Vikings is still up in the air. In Vegas, I've seen it at, at three for the Cardinals a few places, but most of the offshore places, it's not on the board. I, I don't care what the line is on this game. I think the, I think the Cardinals are going to win by double digits. The perception of this game is, is that the Cardinals have wrapped up a playoff spot. The Vikings have not. The Vikings have a lot more to play for. Actually, if, if the Bears lose on Thursday night, if the Vikings win, they clinch the division. So we're talking about a lot of pressure on somebody, either Gus Farratt or Tavares Jackson. Nobody really knows who that guy is going to be, you know, maybe up until game time. And, uh, you know, this is one of those things where I think Arizona goes into the game playing very loose, they, they still want to improve their playoff positioning, and they've been outstanding at home all season. And I, I just think the Vikings have, you know, they barely beat the Lions last week. They, they, they didn't cover as double-digit favorites. And I, I think the Cardinals are just going to go into this game very loose, and they're going to they're gonna take it to the Vikings no matter who's under center. All right, we got our first pick up, and that's Minnesota. Now, it's interesting because that quarterback situation is undetermined right now. And at pregamewire.com, or you can go to the homepage and just click the wire alerts tab is we have a lot of breaking information on that. From what we saw today, it looks like Farrat is um, actually not going to play. Now, that's not for sure, but today's he didn't practice, and it looks like it's leaning against right now. And I just want to say, too, I will have my be putting my Thursday night 15-2 and record in football uh, games this year on the line on Thursday night in the Bears-Saints game. All right, so you're 13, Four, 15 and 15 two, and two on, on Thursday. Thursday yeah. I got to tell you, that's that clearly great. <laughs> but also, I, you know, people might say, well, what does that mean? Well, to me, a Thursday game is a national TV game, but it's not the national TV game. And e- even if it's college, it's been a mix or, of college and pro, or so. even if it's pro, so you really got a handle on that. And, and that's something that we should all be looking for when we follow handicappers. I personally don't handicap my own games. I use picks from the pregame pros, and I use picks from other pros in town that uh, that I have connections with. And I typically really try to follow when does a player do well. Maddie's doing well on Thursday. I think it's something to really look at. Uh, Vegas runner, you had something? Uh, no, just my game. Oh, I thought <laughs> I thought you were going to jump in and talk about Matt and say you were maybe sixteen and two on Thursday <laughs> and try to trump Maddie. Okay, so next up, um, we're going to go with Vegas runners free pick. Yeah, this will be quick because we already covered the game. Pittsburgh at Baltimore. 
Um, I'm going to look at the total. Like I said, I made the total a lot higher. I made it as high as 38. Um, that's without really factoring in the weather. Of course, that's something I'm going to have to recheck Sunday. But um, from what I heard right now, sure, it's going to be cold. It's always cold over there in December. But it's supposed to be sunny, and that's what matters. As long as there's not a lot of wind, especially cross-field wind, I'm okay with the cold. Both teams have managed. Um, when you have two good defensive teams, especially when you have two great defensive teams, right away I'm going to look to the over because the line's going to be a lot lower than it should be. Um, public perception show, tells you it's going to be a 10-13 game. Um, so the oddsmaker's going to bring the line down a little lower than he should. Um, and he did this time around with the Steelers game. I really don't think this line should have came out at 33. Sharps right away betted up to 34, that key number, you know, uh, when you're looking at a total. I'm willing to go over 34. I'd go as high as over 35 in this game. Um, last four games in the series have gone over. Um, you know, this is a huge game for both teams, but they both come off big games. So, you know, I, I really think it's not going to be as much pressure as people anticipate. I think they're going to be a little more loose um, than a lot of people expect. Uh, I just need 17 points from each team. I really think they're both capable of putting up 17 on the other team. So um, the only way I could go with this game is over. That's my podcast game of the week. We'll go over 34 in Pittsburgh, Baltimore. Now, one thing I like about that game is I like games that hurt to bet. If it's easy to bet a game, it probably means other people are betting the game and you're with the public and that's not a good thing long term. If it hurts to bat it, and, and I think looking at those defenses, it hurts to bat this one, it makes me like it. Okay, up to the godfather, as he's called by some, Marco D'Angelo. Okay, before I get to my uh, stench game of the week, I've got to give some more money away of RJ's. It's Christmas season, and uh, we're going to give all of our listeners a coupon for this week. You can use it. It's going to be POD10, P-O-D-10. The number one O, and that use that at pregame pros for any purchase you want to make this week. Just enter that coupon code when you go to the checkout, and you will be able to get ten dollars off your purchase, courtesy of RJ Bell. Merry Christmas! Now, that's a one time, one time coupon. So, you get ten bucks off. It's POD as in podcast, POD, and the number 1010. That is correct, and they can use that anytime over the weekend through the Monday night game. But I think it is RJ's going to use that. Uh, I, I might, I might. Now, let me ask a question, and Marco, I know you're up, but uh, Vegas Runner, um, is there any games you're really looking at this weekend? Anything you're feeling really um, uh, in regards to, you know, to me, there's really two times that, that I like to play a handicapper. One is if he's got a really big game, or two, if he feels like he's in a zone with something. And again, at some weeks, it's going to be neither for a capper. Is there anything jumping out at you or you're feeling good about I really like this week's NFL matchups because of, of the teams, that the games that... If, if you look at this week, there's a lot of great matchups and there's a lot of even teams. Um, that's, when, that's when I like to get in there. When, when you don't have that huge of an edge on one team over the other. When you have a lot of threes out there. If you look at this week's spread... You know, you don't have the, the double digits on six out of So we got a lot of competitive like games, and, and you're, you, you're eyeballing some NFL. I, I, I really am keen in on a few NFL games this week. I love the Sunday card. 
Um, excellent, excellent. Looking at the primetime game, too. Sunday night, Dallas Giants, I'll be all over many it. Many of you guys uh, may know this that are foreign posters, um, and many of you may not. I actually bet every one of Vegas Runners' games. So uh, even, you know, it's funny. He's a high-volume guy, and sometimes he'll get on cold streaks. But, uh, you know, over the long term, Vegas Runner, you know, I've seen his house, and it's it's uh, it's a nice one. And whenever I <laughs> see a you. pro batter, I want to see their house. <laughs> and if it's you. big, I'm like, that's who I want to play. So, <laughs> Thank Okay, Marco, game of the week. All right, we're going to go for my stench game of the week. And as usual, it is a smelly game. Nobody will want them. But I'm going to go with the San Diego Chargers this week. And we talked about them earlier that this is a team that, you know, guys are writing off. They have one more left. Mathematically, they're not out of it yet. They're three games behind um, Denver, and they're still have a possibility of finishing the season at 500. And they, they, play, the they play the last weekend, right? They played. La- they played on Thursday. No, no. San Diego, Denver played the last weekend oh, of the sorry. season. Yeah, they played yes, the last. Which week means that it's just got to be two games where Denver loses, and and then it San becomes Diego. the last game. Okay. They play Kansas City this week. They're coming off a Thursday night game, so they had a couple extra days to prepare. They're playing a Kansas City team, which the average better is going to look at the first meeting and see that San Diego, as a 15-point favorite, only won by one point at home. And now Kansas City is a live home dog. And everybody knows how good Kansas City has been in the past as a home dog. The thing is, in that meeting, the first meeting, San Diego was in a horrible scheduling spot. They had just come back from playing on the East Coast in Buffalo two weeks before. They traveled from San Diego to Buffalo. Then from Buffalo, they had to go to London to play New Orleans. Then they came back home. They had the week by, and then they played Kansas City. Just too much travel for San Diego at that stretch of the season. They were going back and forth to the East Coast, London and everything, and they weren't playing well. They put it together last week, albeit it was against Oakland, a bad team, but they're not going to take Kansas City for granted. They finally woke up with the offense. Rivers had a great game last week. I look for him to carry the momentum over this week, and I have San Diego winning this game by 10 to 14. The wise guys agree with you. They blasted that game, and guys that I spoke to, um, as soon as that line came up, had made it six. So there's a lot of sharp money that agrees with you on that one, Marco. Excellent, excellent. And one other factor I would say that the backs it up, I it's kind of funny because we talked about there can be – uh, in business, they call it a macro trend, which means a big picture trend. And then there's a micro trend, which is a game uh, consideration. So on one hand, we think the macro trend is maybe go against San Diego, but in a micro sense, San Diego might be in a very good That's spot. That's perfect way of putting it. And I also have noticed that if a team is a disappoint, disappointed team, that if they do have a chance for a blowout, it's almost a freeing experience. Is once they get up 21 and 28, they just want to keep doing it because they felt so bad for so long. So I often like a team that's disappointed um, to, to, to potentially blow out a really bad team. And, and maybe that's the spot we have here. The Chargers are certainly capable. That's yeah, for sure. I got them. No doubt. Okay, so, I, you know, I won't be... Um, I won't be given a, a, a game of the week every week. Again, it, it matters what my contacts are telling me, and it matters if I see something occasionally that I like. So I'll tell you where it's coming from. But this week I'm going to give you something a little exotic. I'm going to be giving you a future bet to win the Super Bowl, and it's a game we talked about. I'm going with Baltimore to win the Super Bowl. I think there's tons of value here. I'm seeing upwards of 15-1 to 1 in some spots. 
Now that's um, something to think about. Um, you know, when you talk about where you bet, is if you visit pregameaction.com, you can get all the best deals from the trusted sports books. So not only do you potentially get the best line on games, because if you have three or four outs, you can always shop for the best line. And with futures especially, you want to get the best line. But number two is it tells you the bonuses and many times you can get really big bonuses and it's something to look at if you're thinking about playing online for sure. But back to Baltimore real quick. They're, they're a coin flip to win this Pittsburgh game. If they win the game, they're the favorite or at least they have a hell of a chance to win the division. And a chance to actually only have to win two games. Absolutely. Let's think about this. They win that home game and then they got to win at Tennessee. And to me... If they do, even if they play the Giants, they're not going to be more than a 2-1 to one or 3-1 to one dog in that game, and maybe not even that. So if so, you can hedge. You know, So they don't have to win the Super Bowl. They just got to win this Pittsburgh game and win two games, or they have to you know, lose a Pittsburgh game and come out as a wild card potentially. Either way, 15-1 to one feels very generous. And uh, again, with futures, you want to make small plays. One thing about futures is it's the time value of money is the business term is they hold your money when you bet a future game. But we're only, you know, what, six weeks away from the Super Bowl. So you don't really have that as a negative. I'm looking at Baltimore at 15 to 1 for a small play. Okay, this has been a nice, long first hosting experience. I'm excited because I really think, again, we're, we're, we're laying out info worth betting. This has been a pregame.com podcast, and we'll be back next week.